Hey guys, how's it going? This is Hub. Welcome back to another episode of Teen Titans Wasteland. Hope your week's been going well. Mine's been going pretty well. Had some fun octopus talk on the internets today, uh, sparked by last issue. For those of you who missed it, you should go back and listen to it. These things exist. It's really easy to do. But if you don't have the time, I understand. I was lamenting the fact that there is not a collective noun for a group of octopuses. I came up with a couple of suggestions and asked people to weigh in on theirs, and they really did. And it's been kind of a fun debate, although almost all of you have been mistaken. See, really, a defenestration of octopuses is the best answer. But we did have some other suggestions from many of you. Most of you seemed to agree with my wife Lisa that brain trust is what a group of octopuses should be called. That is, of course, wrong, but you are entitled to your wrong opinion. Other suggestions we had were a lollygag of octopuses, a wiggle of octopuses, a tangle of octopuses, and an armory of octopuses. These are all actually really good suggestions. None of them are quite as good as a defenestration of octopuses, but they're all really good. So I'm going to try to figure out how to do one of those Twitter vote things, and we're going to get to the bottom of this and come up with a definitive answer for what a group of octopuses is called. Seriously, though, you guys, my defenestration people, get out and vote. It's important. I mean, by important, I mean almost literally the least important thing in the world, but still, come on. Anyway, let's get into the issue. We've got a fun one this time. It's from back in 1972. It is a Bob Haney issue, which uh, I'm stoked about. Not only do we get to see Bob Haney Teen Titans, but we get to see Bob Haney Batman, which is, man, I think it might be my favorite Batman. It's a really good Batman. Corey's going to be off this week. He's off in Atlantis babysitting for Aqua Baby. Hope he's having a great time there and that, that little guy's not giving him too much trouble with all the shenanigans. He's got Beaky to help him out. He'll be fine. And we're going to be joined instead by my good friend Lee Marble, who is a terrific guy, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Without any more of this ado, let's ado this thing. Are you meeting Sherlock's brother for a Mycroft tryst? I'll distract the younger Holmes with the synopsis. Synopsis. The Brave and the Bold, number 102. July, 1972. Commune of Defiance. Written by Bob Haney, drotted by Jim Aparo. Teen Titan Roll Call. Robin. Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, Speedy, Mal. It's a beautiful summer afternoon, and Batman is taking a leisurely stroll down the streets of Gotham. God damn, do I love that Haney's version of Batman puts on the costume just to run errands and shit. Not just, I shall don the mantle of the bat to strike fear into the hearts of cowardly criminals, but also, I shall don the mantle of the bat and, I don't know, just putter around a little, maybe scope out some babes which is exactly what the Caped Crusader is up to. His perambulations take him to Barclayville, the oldest and, with the possible exception of the nameless ghetto section of town from the Brave and the Bold 92, most run-down and crime-ridden section of town. As if to illustrate that point, some jerkwad mugs an old lady right in front of Batman. Bad move, jerkwad. The Dark Knight, or I guess right now the surprisingly well-lit Knight, snags the creepo and is about to punch him up real good when he is interrupted by the arrival of a group of young hippies. The newcomers introduce themselves as the Young Aquarians and say that actually, they'd like to be the ones to punch the mugger, seeing as Barclayville is their turf. Batman tells them they can't just go around taking the law into their own hands like some kind of vigilantes. Um, seriously? I'm just gonna let that one sink in for a second. 
The irony is not lost on the Aquarians. One of them, a skinny fellow in a cheap suit named Lawyer, informs Batman that not only is he being the tiniest bit hypocritical, but that actually Gotham has a law that if you think there's too much crime, then it is totally cool to be a vigilante. Wow. That is not a good law. Does kind of explain the DC Universe, though. Bats convinces the Aquarians to let him take the mugger to jail, but tells him that if the justice system doesn't work, then he will totally let them be vigilantes. Well... Turns out the justice system doesn't work. I know, I'm as surprised as you are. Fast Frankie, the mugger Batman had caught, was released from prison the very next day. Batman heads back to Barclayville to apologize to the Aquarians and tell them that I guess it's fine if they want to be vigilantes. Hooray! Could be worse. At least they didn't build a nuclear bomb like the last group of well-intentioned disenfranchised teens living in a bad part of town that Batman encountered. The Aquarians fill Batman in on the fact that the crime in Barclayville is being run by a piece of shit named Sonny Trask, who uses a travel agency as a front. While Sonny is in prison, his cartel is being run by his long-suffering girlfriend, Angel Lee. Even though Angel is running a criminal organization, we get the impression that she's not that bad. I mean, after all, she's pretty and blonde. How evil could she be? She's just a dupe being manipulated by her boyfriend, Sonny. Ironically, being a young lady in a Bronze Age DC comic means that even though she literally owns a travel agency, she has no agency. The cops show up to hassle the young Aquarians, but Batman sasses them and tells them to scram, so they do. The Aquarians show Batman around their commune and tell him about their commitment to preserving their neighborhood, but that it's probably irrelevant, seeing as how they just got a notice that the Gotham City Council has voted to destroy the whole neighborhood. Those assholes? Didn't they learn their lesson after they tried to vote to burn down the ghetto? What, are they trying to get another lecture from Batman? Because that's what they're going to get. The next day, the Aquarians show up at the city council meeting to voice their displeasure. And what's that they're carrying? Could it be? Yup. Motherfucking picket signs. Hooray! Despite the barrage of picket signs and a stern lecture from Batman, the city council decides that they're going to go ahead with the demolition anyway. Bummer. Batman decides it's finally time to call in the big guns. The Teen Titans. The next day, the Titans show up at the commune and offer their assistance. Just in time, too, because the bulldozers are about to start rolling in to begin demolition. Robin introduces the commune-living, picket-sign-carrying hippies to the concept of passive resistance, and they all lie down together in front of the bulldozers. They're even joined by Angel. See, I told you she was too pretty and blonde to be evil. Batman shows up and tells the driver of the bulldozer that it would be totally awesome if he ran over the protesting teens, and that he should absolutely do that. The bulldozer guy says fuck that and decides not to kill the teenagers after all. Hooray! Batman claims his reverse psychology did the trick. Sure. Sure it did. The mayor decides to give the Aquarians 30 days to fix their neighborhood. Hooray. With the Titans' help, the hippies do just that. Over the next month, Kid Flash uses his speed to pick up litter, Speedy uses his archery to exterminate rodents, Mal and Robin use their punches to chase away drug dealers and muggers, and, uh, Wonder Girl uses her, um, femaleness to help redecorate. You guys know she has super strength and can fly, right? Okay, just checking. The good news is, Barclayville is looking pretty sweet, and the Aquarians are planning a block party to celebrate. Hooray! The bad news is, Angel's boyfriend Sonny is about to get out of jail, and he's intent on ruining everything due to his love of crime. Boo! 
Batman shows up and lectures Angel about the fact that Sonny is a real piece of shit, who put all of his crime paperwork in her name to make sure she takes the fall if anything goes wrong. But she's not hearing it because she thinks Sonny is great. The next day at the block party, Sonny and his thugs show up and try to ruin everything. The Aquarians challenge the thugs to a fair fight for control of Barclayville. Batman and the Titans agree to sit this one out and let the Aquarians fight this battle for themselves. Surprisingly, the professional criminals seem to be getting the better of the hippies. What? That seems pretty suspicious. Hippies are renowned for their pugilism skills. Batman figures out that the thugs are cheating by using rolls of pennies in their fists. That explains it. Sonny pulls out a gun and is about to flee the scene when Angel pulls out another gun and shoots him. Dang. Turns out Batman's lecture sunk in after all. Hooray! Batman drags an injured Sonny off to jail and Barclayville is saved. Just goes to show how effective passive nonviolence resistance can be. You know, provided that it's accompanied by punching and gunfire. Hooray! Then we get a backup story. The Robot Maker Must Die. Written by Arnold Drake, drawn by Bruno Premiani. Reprinted from Doom Patrol number 105, August 1966. Race car driver Cliff Steele was in a terrible accident and broke his everything. Fortunately, Dr. Niles Calder, a.k.a. The Chief, was able to dump his brain into a totally sweet robot body. Hooray! Only, The Chief did kind of a crappy job, and now, in addition to being pissed off at having a robo-body, Cliff is in a ton of pain. Vowing vengeance at the surgeon who robotified him, the appropriately named Mr. Steel goes on a rampage. He rips off his arm and uses it as a club to beat up a bunch of cops, then rips off his leg and uses a magnet in its foot to help him climb through a sewer. After jamming his limbs back on, Cliff breaks into Dr. Calder's office and assaults a shadowy figure he assumes to be the good doctor. Turns out the victim of his assault is a fully bandaged guy named Larry Trainer, a.k.a. the Negative Man. Trainer and a pretty lady named Rita Farr, a.k.a. Elastigirl, basically say, Hey, instead of killing this Calder guy, how about you let him operate on you some more, and instead we all be superheroes and call ourselves the Doom Patrol. Cliff reluctantly agrees. Hooray! And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey! Wait a minute. You're not Corey. (laughs) How did you get in here? Through the door. Fair enough. Uh, joining us for the first time is my very good friend, uh, Lee. Lee is a singer, a songwriter, an inventor. Uh, we were in a hip-hop band for many years together. And a nice man. Howdy. How's it going? It's going very well. So, what'd you think? Well, this is my only, think, second foray into the Teen Titans. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Just to get a little background, I should probably ask, what was your first foray into the Teen Titans? It was one of the ones that you had had on your podcast, and then I came over and you had it out and I read it, but I can't remember which one it was now. Fair enough. This is a while ago. Do you remember what happened in it? Oh, you know what? It was the one where uh, Wonder Girl has to dress up like a guy? Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That is my favorite my favorite issue. Yeah, so yeah. you had that out, and you are yeah. like, check this out, and like, she's all... Yeah, I worry that she's going to look too Amazonian. Right, that was one of the things. The main thing that happens in that issue, though, is Mr. Jupiter, the richest and therefore most trustworthy man <laughs> in the world, doses all of his teen words with hallucinogenic gas oh, after dressing yeah. up like a balloon fighter. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, that was a really good time. But I'm, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed this. Yes. Um, so uh, what was the first part that really 
really stuck out to you? I gotta say, first frame. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, Lee, but that noise does mean that there were picket signs in this issue. And oh, okay. they were delightful. It's been a while. It, it was, this was really nice for me to read because I have not read a Haney issue in a while because we are, we, we actually, with me and Corey's re- recording, we just finished doing number 53 and it ended the original run of the Titan series. But for the last like 10 issues or so, it's been different writers and it's so nice for me to go back to a Bob Haney issue and his particular brand of crazy slang. Yeah, there are three different picket signs in this. One says, SOS, Save Our Slums. Mm-hmm. The Aquarians are really big on acronyms. Yes, they are, and nicknames. Yeah, well, everybody's big on nicknames. You're right. We don't actually know, I think, any of their real names except for their leader, the white blonde guy. His name is, it comes I, out much later. I feel like it was Justin or something like that. It's after he gets decked and uh, in the <laughs> fight towards the end. I think we don't really know till the end. Really? And I someone was... goes, yeah, someone goes, James or... Shit, I'm, I'm going to have to look it up I, now. I think I can picture which panel it was. I thought it was towards the end. I, I think it might be there, too. I thought it was at the beginning when he shows up and calms everybody down. Jamie. Jamie, okay. Yeah, lawyer calls him Jamie. Lawyer. That's quotes lawyer. Right, because he's probably not actually a lawyer, but he right. does dress like one. But Needles. There's a guy named Needles. He doesn't get quotes around his name. Oh, that's his name. Oh, yeah, okay. Also, he's a porcupine. Why, why is he named Needles? You might you might have a, a guess that has something to do with, you know, injecting drugs. Sure. But no, because he's wearing a shirt. It is says, a rad t-shirt. He's wearing a rad t-shirt. It says, reality is the best high. Do but you think maybe that's ironic. his backstory is that he maybe used to be a junkie before he got in touch with the Aquarians? I mean, that would kind of make sense. It's very plausible. Um, he is also the only one who has a gun, I believe, in the gang. Or I think it's a gun. Yeah, the thing he pulls out. Right yeah, there. he pulls out this he thing that it's like, did they, are they pulling a prank on him and telling him that that door hinge is a gun? Because it really looks like he's just taking out a door hinge. It's like, I don't want to have to use this. It's like, we really should tell him. Yeah, I don't know. That's That's the same page where his comrades are pulling out. I think they say, like, a butter knife. We're not going to beat them with these butter knives or something like that. Well, I, I think he was just being self-deprecating a about the quality bit. of his knife. Yes. This is, this is pre-Crocodile Dundee days. Mm-hmm. At this point, he would probably make some reference to that film. Yes, he would. I'm sure just people in general. That, that's what gangs like, right? That's what <laughs> gang members like. They like butter well, knives. gang member commune livers. They like Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. You know, on that on that note, it's... They're sort of a gang. Right. But they sort of want to be the student body government of their particular... I got the impression that they were kind of being used as a stand-in for the Black Panthers. Hmm. Like, it, it all seems to be that kind of, like, only not black, except for one member. Well, that, but also their ideology comes out of a totally different vein of culture. I mean, they're the Aquarians. They're, they're the Aquarians, but I mean, like... They're groovy. Sort of. But they're also just, like, very much about, like, community upliftment and vigilantism. Um, vigilantism with no weapons. Or almost no weapons. Well, they have the weapons. They're more than willing to use. Well, I think we can circle around back to that when it when we get to the big rumble. Okay. Because you see just how they feel about their own weaponry. They're not too confident about it. No, and they're not... <laughs> with... With exceptions, <laughs> the one black guy in the gang is a very good fighter. 
Is he? Uh, well, he's the one that goes out with Robin and Mal and punches. Oh, he's just punches up the the, the people. Up. Yeah, Ben Ahmed, mm-hmm. who yeah. is, I believe, supposed to be a black Muslim. He does say Effendi. Yeah, a rather a lot. Right. But in the context of weird slang that he's using, too. Right. And, and it's like, by the prophet's groovy beard or something like that. Yes. I'm sorry, you were saying, first panel, though, when we first see Batman. Well, why are you just... skipping the cover? Right. Which is a red herring of a cover. Sort of. I mean, it is, contextually, that is something that Batman almost does say it's pretty close out of context it is misleading <laughs> out of yes. contextually right right, right. yes it's not a textually word. it is used but out of context <laughs> right. um yeah it is a really cool cover i i love it. it it is batman riding on the bulldozer saying like yeah crush those defiant kids and the teen titans uh lying down in front of a bulldozer but when we first open it up we see batman strolling down the street i guess just not so much on per- patrol but just in costume, going for a nice summer walk. Oh, yeah. And uh, why don't you read his thoughts to us? So his thoughts are, It's sheer magic. Winter's over, and pretty girls are blossoming like flowers. Delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's a little... Creepy? I was going to say, he starts on a sort of romantic nature poet bent. Yeah, yeah. And swerves into pervs pretty quick. I got the... It kind of reminded me of, like, almost a Rat Pack type thing to say. Like, I could see, mm, like, like you know, Dean Martin or yeah. Frank Sinatra or Sammy Davis Jr. saying something like that. And I think it's, it's kind of... Baby. Yeah, and I think it's kind of establishing that uh, Bob Haney wants to say that, yeah, Batman is a cool guy, but he's, like, an older cool guy. Like, he's an older version of a cool, cool guy. And so, like, having that be his counterpoint to teen culture would right. be, like... right. He's kind of buttoned down, but he still knows how to swing. Oh, that's a very good point. I, I think that's important to establish for this issue in particular, because right. he's mentor not only in this issue to the Teen Titans, but also to the Aquarians. The Aquarians, yeah. So he has to be the cool older guy. Right. But it is also important that they establish that he is older and not part of te- teen culture. Uh, <laughs> he just likes to perv on it. That was kind he's, of jarring. And then he, he catches a guy and he calls him a... What is it that he calls him? Because he, he calls him a cowardly, cowardly crumb. A cowardly crumb, yes. It's so weird to see Batman being used as, yeah, he's a cool swinging guy, but he's definitely not the dark vigilante that we're kind of used to seeing him as these days. Definitely not. Like, he's not just more colorful and, like, friendlier and, like, just, you know, going out for a stroll down the street during the middle of the day mm-hmm. in costume. Mm-hmm. He's also more seen as a symbol of the establishment. Yeah, and they also make a point out of throwing some some doubt on him, or some self-doubt, too, that he has where he's saying um, at one point to the young Aquarians, like, you know, that's you can't do that. That's just being vigilantes. And they say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you? Right. He's a rich vigilante. Totally different. Yeah, and we do find out later that he has a badge that yeah gave. i think yeah he's got, you know what i got a couple of those too <laughs> yeah. he's like yeah um maybe you didn't see this but i've been to disneyland <laughs> 
And I picked up this sweet badge here right. that says honorary park sheriff. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that. He, di- he didn't have it on him when questioned. No. He brought it out later. Right. Panels and panels later. Yeah. Yeah. Pages later. Yeah. Really not until yeah, the very later. end of the book. And by the way. Um, he also pulls some kind of a shady move when... So he, he confronts the, the teens and tells them, you guys can't be vigilantes. That's wrong. And they're like, um... Um, and he's like, okay, okay, fair enough. And then he's like, but just let me take him to jail. And then the guy gets out in a second. Right. Uh, literally in the next panel. Yeah. Yeah. Next this is not the first time it's come up to, there was another Brave and the Bold issue that Haney wrote. It was, I think, 94, uh, which was a show that I did with, uh, where my mom was the special guest. Oh, okay. I haven't heard that one yet. But a fairly similar plot in a lot of ways to hmm. this one, except for the teens that were we're supposed to sympathize with who are being bulldozed by the city council in that one, uh, decide to use a nuclear bomb to hold the city hostage, but they're still the good guys. These guys do not have a nuclear bomb. That's not the Aquarian style. <clears throat> the young Aquarians don't have a no. nuclear... No, no, no. No, they don't even have a, a They, they don't even have a proper knife or a gun that is not almost certainly just a door <laughs> hinge. When they are about to get bulldozed, the Teen Titans go and they decide to pitch in. I think Batman called them and is like, yeah, I have no street cred with these dudes. Will you go just like, you dress colorfully, they dress colorfully. Right. Maybe just go hang out with them. Yeah, tell them I'm cool. Yeah. Can Pretty you, much. Can you rap with them? Right. Can you, rap can with you them? turn this chair around, put your <laughs> sit backwards in it and put your, your jacket over your shoulder and, mm-hmm. and, and really rap with these kids? And the Teen Titans go in. They crash with at the commune. They crash at their pad. That's what mm-hmm. they say. Yeah. And then Robin has the bright idea that they're going to use civil disobedience rather than attempt to use guns and knives on construction workers. Or, say, superpowers. Or, say, or superpowers, <laughs> which, yeah, good point. <laughs> and so these bulldozers are rolling down the street. The Teen Titans are lying in front of them. The young Aquarians are lying in front of them. The... Gangsters Mall, I guess she yeah, kind of is. Right. Who's been running the pawn shop while her gangster boyfriend's in jail. Yeah. And she doesn't like these young hippie freaks. Nope, but... But she decides to join in, too, because she grew up in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. too. She's got neighborhood pride. And she uh-huh. doesn't want to see it demolished. I don't think the old guy lays down in front. No, no. no. He's got, he can't lie down Arthritis on the street. Stuff, yeah, yeah, he's got a bad hip. But he does kind of respect what they're doing, because he doesn't want to leave his house. That's right. But, yeah, he previously called the cops on them. Yeah. So, when that happens, then Batman shows up. And honestly, at this point, I feel like the Titans had shit handled. Like, they're like, they're lying in front of the bulldozer. Mm-hmm. Batman shows up and is like, yeah, run him over. <laughs> Do it. What, are you scared? And, and the construction is like, no, I don't want to run him over. And Batman says like, I did it. <laughs> It's like, combined, your civil disobedience and my reverse psychology. It's like, I think it was teenagers lying in front of the bulldozer that did the heavy lifting there, Batman. You would think so. That that construction worker who's driving the bulldozer does say, he says like, oh no, you know, I, I don't want that. And besides, I've got a kid too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he was going to run over the kids regardless of Batman showing up and saying like, do it, do it. And that totally could have backfired. Like the whole yeah, that it, test that they did where on... Um, Authority figure tells you it's okay to administer yeah. shocks and increasing dosage yeah. makes people more likely to do it to the point, even if they're told it's hurting and maybe even killing the person that they're administering right. the shocks to. Like, well, Batman, Batman is clearly seen Batman. as an authority figure in Gotham City. Yeah. He's like, well, Batman says I should run these kids over. Right. 
I'm not entirely sure Batman wouldn't have been okay with that happening right. anyway. I mean, they said he wasn't a cool swinging guy, or at least heavily implied it. And they called him out for being a hypocrite on his vigilantism. It was a tense moment. We didn't really know how it would turn out. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the important thing is either way, Batman gets to be like, I did a great job! Right. But we also see that the city council and mayors of Gotham are super corrupt and jerkwads, which is a recurring theme whenever we go to Gotham. And there was that one panel during the town hall, uh, this was a question I had for you, mm -hmm. where the young, I think it's the young Aquarians are trying to speak and someone's telling them to be quiet. And is it Commissioner Gordon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He just says Commissioner. I assumed it was Commissioner Gordon. It's no, like, it was Commissioner Pete Roselle. No. <laughs> No, it was Commissioner Gordon, and that, that is the other thing. It, it came up in Brave and the Bull 94, too. Commissioner Gordon is viewed as a much more reactionary figure in these comics than I'm used to thinking of him as, and I'm used to seeing him being portrayed as. You He's mean like, like conservative I, reactionary? Yeah, yeah, like really no problem with police brutality, wants these young punks to shut up no matter the cost. Yeah, he says sit down and shut up or I'll have you arrested. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, in the previous one, he literally, like, his police cracked some heads and gave a kid amnesia, so he couldn't remember where he put the bomb. Oh. Fortunately, Batman's there to remind him that uh, we live in a democracy. Right. And he says, uh, he says, that's a great lesson in democracy, Commissioner. Yeah, really. Let, the, let, these, let these kids talk. Yeah. Do you think he was trying to use reverse psychology there, too? <laughs> Do you think he didn't want the kids to talk? Hmm. Yeah. I now think that Batman is always trying to use reverse psychology hmm. and is probably dismayed that he is viewed as such an authority figure that people take him at his word. Right. Kind of makes me re-question what he was saying in that first panel. Maybe he was just psyching oh, us he, out. Oh, maybe he didn't think those young, pretty girls were delicious. Yeah, he was like... I hope he was using reverse <laughs> psychology there. One thing that I did, I, I will say also, I love the art in this issue. It's by Jim Aparo, and he does a really nice job with it. I agree. One, one of the things I liked about this is there's a character that's part of the young Aquarians named Earth Mother. <laughs> there but, she is. I like the fact that we see a kind of fuller-bodied young teenage girl who's kind of zaftig, and it is not used as a point of derision or comic relief. It's just like, yeah, she's kind of chubby, and everybody's chill with that. Yeah. It's kind of nice. You don't see that much in comics from this era, and frankly, you don't see it much in comics today. And uh, I kind of appreciated that. Is she the only woman in the in the Young Aquarians that we see? I believe so. She is yeah. the only one that we see. I, I mean... Yeah, you've got the gamut. You've got the leader, who is the blonde guy. You've got, his you've, the, you've got the, the thin former <laughs> junkie. you got uh -huh. you got the lawyer who has glasses. Uh -huh. You have the, the one black guy. Why would any group have more than one of those in it? Especially in 1972 in DC Comics. And then you've got the leader, who is, yeah, the uh, the blonde white guy. Jamie. Jamie. Yes. And who doesn't have a nickname. Yeah. Yeah. He's doesn't straight, call anybody a Fendi. He's straight up Jamie. <laughs> yep. His style is that... His shirt and pants are always the same color. Oh, he's I maybe mono, monotone man. Oh, maybe he's wearing some kind of a jumpsuit. I was wondering that at first. I do see a belt. Oh, could I, be a jumpsuit. Jumpsuit with a belt's kind of a kind of a nice look. It is. Yeah, I'm gonna start rocking one of those. Mm -hmm. He's got the He-Man hair. He's got the Prince Adam hair. Mm-hmm. Little mm -hmm. shaggy. I think Prince Adam wouldn't let it get quite that over down over the. He keeps his bowl cut a little higher. Really fun issue. I really enjoyed it. Got a pretty good outcome, although it, it is kind of weird at the end. Like, they didn't need to drive that bulldozer in there. 
Like, I, I think they're probably a little gun-shy of bulldozers, and they drive the bulldozer in to carry in the landmark, declaring Barclayville a historic <laughs> landmark. Yeah. I feel like Batman just doesn't think a lot of that shit through. Right. <laughs> like, he could have just had Wonder Girl carry that stuff. Yeah. The Teen Titans really didn't get to use their powers. Well, they Flash. cleaned up a lot of trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Kid Flash does use his super fastness to sweep the street super fast. Right. And, and... Robin Speedy. punches out some thugs. Yeah, and Mal punches out some thugs with him. Yeah, Speedy kills and some Speedy rats. And Speedy kills some rats. But yeah, no, overall, nobody uses powers in this yeah, issue civic for the most part. Civic disobedience is the greatest It's the greatest super... super indeed it yeah. is. And there's, yeah, the the block party that they throw. looks like a really fun time for mm-hmm. everybody. Yes, it is. <laughs> Glad they're having a nice time. Oh, yeah, I think it is weird that it does seem like they're not very good at fighting. Like, they're, they're doing their best, but the... Uh, the Aquarians. The Aquarians. When the but Aquarians then, have the like, big rumble with the Yeah, gangsters. when they have the rumble with the gangsters. Mm-hmm. The gangsters are just kind of handling them. And, like, yeah, then Batman catches one of them cheating at rumbling. By using uh, quarters in his fist. Yeah. That's well, the... Pennies. He doesn't have quarters. <laughs> okay. Adjusted for inflation. Today he would at least be using quarters. But, no, at the time. That apparently was over the line. Mm-hmm. Well, there were... There's almost a benign, like, rumbles are viewed almost, as long as you're not using knives or mm-hmm. guns, rumbles are viewed almost like a recreational, like, high school activity yep. uh, in these comics a lot of times. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit jarring. It, it, it does seem weird to me, too, that, like, the committee's action is just like, okay, we won't tear the slum down, and we're not going to help you at all, but you have 30 days... To make your community beautiful. And that is really the only time that superpowers get used at all. Is right. During that renovation period. Well, it's, yeah, it's with the whole theme of the issue. The city council isn't going to give them any help. Nope. When it comes to the big rumble with the gangsters, Batman orders the Teen Titans not to give them any help. Right. Because he says they have to do it on their own. So we can assume that Batman's motivation there is... Laziness. <laughs> Guys, guys, you could take a break. <laughs> come on, come on. I'm your mentor. This is how we do things. Just sit back, take the credit, then at the end, say you use reverse psychology. Right, right. I mean, you no, know, I'm saying Batman wants, uh, you Empower know, he doesn't, wanna, he doesn't want to give them a fish. He yeah. wants to teach them to fish. Right. And the city council, you know, they don't, that's not their motivation. No, they but don't the, like fish. But the theme is still like the young Aquarians, if you're going to do this. You're doing it on your own. But they had been doing, trying their best to do it at their own beforehand. Like, what's different about this 30-day period what's other than about? Kid Flash gets to use his super speed? You know what? I'm going to say community outreach. That's what's different about it. Okay. Because for the first time, they're at they're at the old guy's house repainting his place. Sure. They're helping, I don't know, store owners put up new signs or, I don't know. As, uh, wallpaper, I think. Wallpaper. Um, Which, that shit, that is a pain in the ass. So I'm going to say they branch out to people outside their group, and they, in a sense, take on a kind of a leadership role, but not through force or or coercion, but by bringing people on board and being like, hey, we have a vision here, like, you want to join us? And I think it's nice that in the end, they're... They, they succeed in this. And yeah. it's sort of like a vision for cooperative communities and, and all that stuff that... Yes. So It's a good fiction. So I, wanna... It can happen in real life. No, no, yeah, I, I agree. It I'm just, just is rare if, that uh... someone doesn't come in and, you know, in real life and actually and, and, and meddle with it and destroy it. So, so do you want to go 
Do I want to go do some vigilante fighting later? Go? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Hulk's fist coming through your wall there. It's inspiring, and huh? I'm, I'm pumped up. Yeah. All right. Well, let's use that energy to discuss your favorite slang in this issue. There was quite a bit. We touched there, on. There really was. Okay, we touched on um, Ben Ahmed. Yes. Uses Effendi several times. Yes. That's E F F. E-N-D-I as yes. a slang, which I had to look up. So I like that, that I oh. learned something. I was like, nice. I was not familiar with that. It, oh. It, Arabic in origin, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those words that just kind of gets used as interjection to establish that a character has ties to Arab, the Culture Arab in some way. It'd be like, it, it could be used interchangeably with sahib, basically, in mm. fiction. Okay. Is it from, you know, I don't know. Joseph Conrad era fiction, or is it more mm, mid twentieth century? I, I would I would say around. I, I'm not sure exactly which. I'm used to seeing it. it. It I'm used to seeing it be used by people that are. It is trying to establish are from the Middle East, though, oh, rather okay. than it, it. It was one that I don't associate necessarily with the Black Muslim movement of the seventies, which is why I found it kind of odd in there. I, I it's something that I tend to associate more with, like would be in, like, Pulp Fiction if, like, somebody's talking to Doc Savage and it's trying to establish that they're, like, a guy from Egypt, you know? I hear ya. Uh, so I like that because I learned something. Excellent. Um, I liked it when he called them heavy heads. I like to mean that they're smart, right? <laughs> I, I really think that is what he meant. I do want to review the, uh... The context. the context? It was on page 10. I read that down. So this is this is when the Teen Titans have shown up to help the young Aquarians, and they've all met, and they said, hey, you know, we're going to lay it on you straight, Aquarians. We want to be your friends. But Jamie says, okay, so you're here, and I guess Batman sent you to tell us that he's cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> Doesn't say that. Message received. <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I guess Batman sent you, but even you heavy heads don't have an answer for that. So, yeah, it kind of sounds insulting, but also it means, like, but it's saying even you heavy. Heads. Yeah, yeah, you so guys it's like, are even as smart as you guys right. are. Yep. You don't unless he just means that they seem to have very strong necks. It would be not, it, it would it, be a necessity. Yeah, so they're heavy heads. They're heavy thinkers, they're deep thinkers. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. uh they're a real think tank. Yeah, I'm tempted to just go reality is the best high is my favorite slang cuz that is a rad fucking t-shirt and yep. that guy is wearing it and they take the time to letter it on him every time you see him. Yeah, it, it is, it's just one t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they all have their one outfit. See? Ben Ahmed is wearing it's some kind of a weird robe, I think. I, mm-hmm. Like, maybe it's one of those, like, High Plains Drifter ponchos. Um, yeah, it's hard to tell what that is, isn't but it? But it's he's wearing some kind of a cloak-type thing. Yep. Lawyer's wearing a funky orange suit jacket right green tie combo right you dress for the job you want not the yep. job you have yep. and um <laughs> earth mother is wearing this uh big purple dress yep with a peace sign belt buckle i thought that was just a big long medallion she was wearing but i think you're right it is a belt buckle touche hmm. let's see what other slang was there by the prophet cat's beard man we've heard that jive before it's like, whoa, what a crazy mix of language you were using to try to establish a character there. <laughs> I that that is close to my favorite. By the prophet Cat, do you think he means Cat Stevens? I don't think Cat Stevens had converted at that point. Oh, this is 1972. Right. I forgot we're in a time machine. <laughs> yeah. I like I think my favorite slang though is Earth Mother when Angel comes and lies down next to her in front of the bulldozer. 
says, Angel, have you flipped your touched up wig? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it like so that. it's like, not only is she just like, she takes the time and is just like, have you flipped out? But takes the time in there to throw a little shade and be like, also, you're bleach blonde. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was, that was pretty nice. I think that was my favorite, although... There is something nice about super creepy swinging Rat Pack Batman at the beginning. Just saying, delicious. Yep. (laughs) What was your favorite panel? Favorite panel was when Batman finally gets to show his badge. (laughs) Here it is. Because he's not even looking at them. Yeah. He just holds it out in the palm of his hand. He looks the other way like, hey, told you so. And he's talking to lawyer directly. That's lawyer in quotes because that's right. the dude's name. He says, in case you doubt my authority, lawyer, here's my badge showing I'm a deputized Gotham City Sheriff. Lawyer doesn't respond at all verbally. He's just holding up, I think, an okay symbol, but he's smirking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he so is he's totally like, like mm, yeah, that's awesome, Batman. Yeah, that's cool. really cool. Cool badge, yeah. buddy. And uh, Needles is just looking off panel and going, we won, we won. We won. Because it's right after the rumble. Yeah. So, uh, he yeah, he's surprisingly happy considering they just saw a man get shot. Shot but not killed. That's true. And he was a big old baddie. Yeah, he was a real piece of shit. And he was shot by his, not by the fuzz, but shot and by not his by girlfriend. a door hinge. But, <laughs> like, they have... It's not that Jim Apero drew weird-looking guns, because both Angel and Sonny have perfectly normal-looking guns. That's right. I think that was supposed to be one of these zip guns that I've heard about in West Side Story and almost yeah, nowhere else. like a one-shot. Yeah, like a one-shot homemade mm-hmm. gun. Probably made out of a door hinge. Yeah. Probably something he read... Traditionally. Except something we read how to do in the Anarchist Cookbook. Right, or Ranger Rick. All right, so, are you ready to talk about the Robot Man? Oh, I'm sorry. Who was your favorite Teen Titan in this issue? Oh, brother. They got so little screen time. It was, I know. It was hard to I say. Know. I don't know. I liked I liked Robin, because he was the, the ambassador when they when they first met up with the young Aquarians. Sure. He said, hey, man, we're going to lay it on you straight. That's why we came wearing our costumes. And the civil obedience was his idea, too. Oh, it was, right. Yeah. So, so I, kudos to Robin. Civil disobedience. Did I say civil obedience? Um, I don't know. Okay. I heard it as... Civil disobedience. That's that the one I that I meant. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a solid choice. I'm going to go with that, too, although I was tempted to say Kid Flash just because I feel like without him, they would have just had to bulldoze the slums anyway because they wouldn't have been able to clear up all of the garbage that was everywhere. Yeah, I don't know if he got a single line of dialogue i feel like they were trying to like not having they were trying to make sure that they could pay him wonder girl and mal as just extras because yeah i don't think any of them spoke during the whole comic book robin being the exception robin was i think the only teen titan i'm i and i believe speedy said something about how he oh, had yeah. caught more rats than he had actually caught. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bagging rats, boss. Bagging these Yeah, rats. got them all. Look. <laughs> yep. Okay. And and no, Kid Flash does say something in that same panel. So he has one line of dialogue <laughs> and a thought bubble. Oh, boy. Yep. Mal, I guess Mal, because Wonder Girl says something, too. Mal is the only one who has no dialogue in the issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so that they could, uh, they could avoid paying him as a featured performer and just as an extra. <laughs> right. What's that What's that rule with... Uh... I don't know. Some kind of SAG thing. Right. Well, there's the thing where you have no lines, but then there's the other one you can have up to... 
Was it 19 words or something Ooh, like that? I didn't know that one. Yeah, there's a thing. I don't know. I'm not an expert in this field, but there's a thing where if it's up up to, uh, I don't know, 18 words or something like that. So sometimes you'll see parts that are like just written to, to that limit. Is there a limit to the amount of efforts that you can have? <laughs> no. That's good. All the efforts you want. Man, that's how they get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, efforts are the noises, like grunting noises and things that oh, they make. Oh, I thought you meant the actor. No, 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 how hard they could try. <laughs> so no, no, no. I mean, like, it's if you're doing voiceover work, they, yeah. they make you do a certain, especially for, like, video games and stuff. Like, there are people whose job is to just do efforts. Okay. Like, to just go and go, uh, yeah. uh, Or, if you are playing <laughs> Marvel Ultimate Alliance, uh, I can't move with this erection. <laughs> That was a good game. If you're playing as Luke Cage in Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which is a delightful game, he says, I can't move in this direction, but it really sounds like he's saying I can't move uh, with this erection. And so I keep making him walk into walls. So he says, <laughs> I can't move. With... <laughs> yeah. Um, it still sounds like he says that after you've heard Hub do it a hundred times. I can testify. <laughs> it's funny every time. Thank you. I think my favorite panel, uh, I, I just realized that I didn't mention mine. Oh, my favorite yes. panel is, I think, uh, at the block party. It's a just a group scene. There's a close-up of a little kid just having fun at a block party, but it's just really nicely not drawn. A kid. Oh, no, I'm turning to the page. I know that the jungle habitat ad is not a little kid. It's uh, people are dancing. There's the old man dancing. There's a little kid in the foreground. And in the background, you, you get to see the Teen Titans hanging out with Batman. It's nice. Earth Mother is dancing with the old man. It's the Barclayville group block party. I'll come. <laughs> the kid's head is in the way of welcome. We know it says that later uh, because then Sonny and his thugs show up and said, are we welcome? Really? Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, are not. Yeah. It doesn't say all will come? Yeah, I'm oh, sure. Oh, you're right. Okay. Do you wanna, sure. Do you want to run... Did you want to run down... Um, the, the robot other, man? No, the other picket signs. Oh, uh... He's touched on that at first. I, I mentioned the, the, the two of them. The uh, There is one other one, I believe. Bag. Well, there's bag that's yeah. his Barclayville Action Group. Yeah, that's our bag. That's our bag. Yeah. Um, and then there's one that says we love Barclayville rats and all. We yeah, yep. Which is not true because they did try to kill all of the rats. So true. That is not how one expresses love. Well, they love Barclayville in spite of the rats. That would have been a more not accurate sign. But <laughs> they, they don't love the rats, and it says right. that they do. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I'm rats and all. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. So, are you ready to talk about the Robot Man backup? Are we forgetting one thing? What's that? Where was Aqualad? Oh. Yeah, I was going to do that at the very end. Oh, okay. But we can do that now. No, no, it's fine. No. I thought we were talking about... No, you're right. Let's do it now. So... Because he would be in this one. He would have been, yes. So, what do you think Aqualad was probably up to? Let's see. It was July 1972. Yes. You know how I'm good at history and stuff. Yeah, you brought it up, man. Um... (laughs) I didn't have a theory. I, I needed to know. Oh. Um, see, I am I was kind of worried because I, I don't know. It's, it's 72. Yeah. See, that was after Altamont, right? Yeah, no, a lot of things happened. We did one already, I think, of July of uh You of were talking 72. about Watergate. In yeah, the there, was a, there was right. a different one because there was the Teen Titans issue that came out in this month. But that's not all he was up to that month. He was okay. up to plenty that month. It's 30 Do you know what he was up to 31. in... Uh, well, it, it was also, I, I think this one technically is June slash July, so I went with the June side of it because we already covered July. Okay. So, early on in the month, Aqualad decided to go to London. 
because they are there was a signing of the first treaty. Well, I forget what it's called, but the thing where they're going to try to protect Arctic seals. So he wanted to get in on that because they're his. Uh, they're, they're basically water dogs. Mm-hmm. They're fun. <laughs> he loves them. He thinks they're great. So are he wants to get in on that. Technically, in his dominion. Yeah, they're part okay. of his. They're okay. part of his protectorate. So right. he wants to make sure that the us lousy surface dwellers don't go killing all his pals. Yup. Except mm-hmm. the ones that it's cool that we kill, like delicious fish. Mm-hmm. Gets but okay seals that. are seals are pretty cool. I'm I'm with Aqualad on this. Mm. Like I get that you hate seals and you think that they're not cute and they should be clubbed and killed. Just. I I understand that that's your position. I know. You know what? I'm not anti seal. I am not anti seal. I'm just pro sea lion, and I'm Fair tired enough. of seals getting all the credit. Okay. Uh, sea lions are, I think, more likely to be dicks. <sighs> that just means they need your love all the much more. Fair enough. <laughs> So Aqualad's in London to do that. But when he's in London, he swings by Scotland for a little bit because he had for a while been attending high school there. And I don't know if you had listened to this episode, but at some point in the relatively recent history for him at this point, he had been brainwashed into kind of helping murder a dude. Hmm. And he has no recollection of this. And at the beginning of that adventure, he had been dating this girl who it turned out was a ghost of a witch or possibly just a witch who could swim underwater, who was the daughter of a ghost. She was evil, but he never knew that. And so he basically, his amnesia, I think, took over a point where he was just like, hey, I was dating that girl. And then she i wasn't what happened what? with that <laughs> that happened to me a couple times <laughs> yeah no i <laughs> in my earlier years yeah yeah i mm. it's all part of growing up but yeah. uh, like a lot of us it was kind of distressing for aqualad <laughs> and he's trying to get his head straight together and he's trying to figure out what exactly happened and he's got that like what was going on so he decides a he needs to kind of have a vacation and B, he's like, I need to try to piece this shit together. I'm going to try to go through some of the old Titans adventures that we've experienced and see if I can figure out where these missing memories exactly are. So, from Scotland... So he's reading comic books. Yeah, no, yeah. he's playing over the events in his mind. I don't think DC is one of those where there's a meta-universe where the, the heroes are having comic books published about them inside the DC universe. Yeah. It's possible. I know that shit happens in Marvel a fair amount. So he decides to go back to the site of the first issue of the Teen Titans, Zokatan. Now, he has some trouble locating Zokatan because nobody knows where the fuck it is exactly. But it's in either South America or Central America. So he goes through the Panama Canal. Well, he's there. It's it's kind of along what is Aqualad kind of up to right now. He's having to pass the time because it's a fairly long journey. So we have established in the past, Aqualad likes to read the funny papers. So you were saying, was he reading comics? Yes, but he was uh, reading, like, Hagar the Horrible and getting mad at reading Kathy because it's so awful. Lois. Um, high and Lois, sure. Um, but he's been reading a lot of Peanuts lately. Oh. And he's reading that, and and once again, Lucy has taken the football away from Charlie Brown as he's making a kick, and he falls on his butt. And Aqualad's a very sensitive young man. And he gets very upset at this because it keeps happening and he feels like he it's the same thing is sort of happening to him. And Lucy kind of represents the fate that is robbing him of his memories. And he's just kind of upset and he's kind of 
confused still from all of the memories and lack of memories that Scotland dragged up for him. So is he thinking that maybe that's how he got amnesia, that he was playing football with his <laughs> girlfriend? It's possible. And she pulled the football out one too many times? Well, and he that, fell on may his head. Be, that may be part of what's okay. going through his head, but mostly what is going through his head is rage and frustration and the phrase Lucy. <laughs> and what's unsettling and what's unfortunate about that is unbeknownst to him, that is picked up on by some nearby killer whales who wreck this ship that is called the Lucette, oh dear. which is the Lucy. And a family is forced to, uh, they, they fortunately do end up managing to escape the ship that he wrecks, but they are set adrift at sea. I don't know. Um, you may not know. You don't need to know. I just told So the Lucette, that, that was a real ship? That was a real ship. Uh, I It left the Panama Canal and then got it lost. It left the Panama Canal. It didn't get lost. It got wrecked by killer whales. Yeah, but it was adrift, is what I mean. At sea for two years. It, it, the ship wasn't. The ship was totally wrecked. They were on a life raft and mm. then they, they were a life adrift at sea. The whole family of four was kept alive for... I'm I'm getting some of the details wrong. It was a Scottish dude who was on the ship. It's Douglas something. Um, And they made a movie about it in 1989. Swiss Family Robinson Crusoe. Exactly. Yeah. I heard that Aqualad was perhaps convening with some marine biologists on a symposium where they were debating what different groups of marine animals should be called and you know what do you call it when there's more than one octopus together and the scientists and the marine biologists they didn't know and he said you know as Aqualad, I believe that they would be called the geometry of octopuses. Uh, because when you get a bunch of octopuses together, they're not going to sit in a pile. they got eight arms. They're going to make some crazy shapes. The geometry of octopuses. And then Aquaman showed up and pushed all the marine biologists out a window <laughs> to illustrate the point that it is in fact called a defenestration of octopuses. Is it a defenestration if they're pushed out a submarine window? Yes. Because they don't fall. It's not about falling. It's about the window. Finesse is uh, French for window. Yes, but it's de-window. Yes, and so when somebody... from the window. Yes, someone is essentially de-windowed. And they are Mm. doing that regardless of whether they fall upon exiting said window. They are still de-windowed. Is that what you call it when people move from... Windows to Mike <laughs> to Apple <laughs> to what to Apple when they migrate from Windows systems to yes that is what I call it <laughs> <laughs> that's what they are should start calling it all right scratch that Douglas else. Robertson his wife and three children and a friend were sailing on their yacht the Lucette when the boat was attacked and sunk by orca whales mm-hmm. the six survived thirty eight days adrift in the Pacific then on an inflatable life raft then on a dinghy. It was made Not into 600. a film, The Savage Sea. What? Can we it was see made it? into a book called The Savage Sea and then later made into a movie. Can we watch that? No. No. Oh. There's no time. Okay. We have to talk about the Robot Man story. Robot Man. So, what'd you think of the Robot Man story? Okay, so, again, being new to um, a lot of these comic books, okay. I'd only the vaguest idea of who he was and where he fit in okay. with, his, with his friends. So... Race car driver, crashes, sure. yep. put back together. Uh-huh. Uh, um, honestly, I'll cut to it. The part I like, mo- and I don't mean to jump into 
No, the slang section. The part I like best was he was slinging slang, slinging zingers, and and nicknames all over the place in the first five minutes after being reanimated. Sure. So he is just full of uh, full of vim, vigor, and rage, and zesty spunk. Yes. Yeah, so, I don't know. That's my most fa- of the issue. He's rampaging. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised because I thought you were going to say that your favorite part was that he was slinging his limbs all over the place. Uh-huh. And that was my favorite part, I was when he just, like, starts taking off his arm and just winging it around and wh- whapping people with it. And is not content to do that, nope. but then also rips off his leg and uses it to cl- as the magnet at the bottom of it as, like, to go up. a cramp, a pinchon? What, what do you call that thing? Pinion? Just- yeah, to, to like scale the side of a sewer, which it seems like he could have just walked on it. He could have put a magnet on his hand. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but I loved it, and and I really enjoyed that. Doom Patrol is kind of interesting. They're actually where Beast Boy got his start, who ends up being a Teen Titan later on. Um, and they were kind of they get described a lot as being almost the DC universe version of the X-Men initially, and that they're a group of freaks that are also superheroes that are led by a dude in a wheelchair. And they debuted in pretty much the same month. Oh damn. They don't have the same kind of civil rights metaphor thing that got attached to them the way that the X-Men did, but they are viewed as a group of outsiders that are still heroes that uh, are not embraced by the mainstream society or by the mainstream superhero community. Yeah. I I liked it that it ended with saying, um, kind of the motto is and one of the characters says at the end there's value even in freaks mm-hmm. and i was like that ties nicely back in with the first story in yeah. this book. there's value even in freaks that's true yeah and i liked the fact that it, i think it makes sense to have his his thing be too like he was a human brain put in a robot body and it hurts all the time yeah like that makes sense yep. and that that is making him be kind of crazy and he's like i don't want to be a killer but like i'm yeah i'm going on kind of a rampage because this sucks was it all about the pain you know i didn't go I back and reread this one and ex- just existential angst yeah and being trapped in a robot body but i think it's a combination of those two things um i i think there is some like discord physically between the brain trying to interact with the robot body and he does fall out of bed as his yeah. first act of motion yeah and i think that the uh niles calder the chief uh ends up being able to ease most of the pain and he ends up being i, I know i was already using a well he was a, mar- that- a, a marvel comics like analogy but i yeah. think that he ends up being kind of like the thing in a lot of ways i actually like kind of almost saw that in a couple of panels yeah i was like that could just be if he just drew the little lines and in didn't for the, rip his for the arm off yeah i don't think thing usually does that no, no. generally that's not his thing no his thing Dang. if you will uh what was your favorite panel in it okay what was your I favorite slang i liked that he woke up and as soon as he got out of bed started rampaging and i see maybe i skipped over the part where it was um that you were talking about, that it was physical pain. Um, and I just thought he was, it was more of the existential angst of saying like, God damn it, my hands are metal. Everything's metal. This sucks. Right. I think he brings up the physical pain later when okay. he saves the guy's life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite slang were all the nicknames that he was made up because he was looking for this doctor. He was like, who right. did this to me? Who did this surgery? So he just starts making up crazy names. He says, yeah. where's this mad medic? Where's this doctor fix it? 
And then he's just like he also going calls to, him Doctor Kill Patient. Doctor Kill Patient. And then he sees another guy who is it is the dude in the wheelchair. Yeah, he calls him No Legs. You know, he's just, <laughs> he's mad. He's salty. He's, uh, I I loved all of that, but my favorite saying actually came from somebody else, a, a non-robot man character, and I think it's my favorite. Pa- uh, no, my favorite panel is where he's swinging his his dis, his disassembled arm. arm at people like in a big circle yeah, when he's like just like twenty feet away from him. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's kind of robotic. Like, maybe he's uh, maybe he's using magnets, yeah. or he does have that wire that's Some attached kind of wire, to it. So maybe yeah. that's what's going on. But my favorite thing is that these two orderlies that are like, oh, this guy's in a giant robot body. We'll take care of him. Yeah. And he's these two super derpy looking <laughs> yeah. like orderlies who are big muscle guys, but they refer to themselves as. Two of us muscle boys can handle that nasty tin can. But I like them self-referencing themselves as two of us muscle boys. Yeah. And they have crazy expressions on their face. Yeah. And they kind of look like... It's like, what are they doing? How are they nurses they or like, orderlies? I don't know. Characters from Burger Time that chase you around. Do, do you mean they look like Not. aggressively floppy pickles? I'm just like, more talking about their eyes. Oh, okay. Like, like this gleeful... <laughs> gleeful malice there is yeah there's gleeful malice in their eyes they're they're itching for a scrap oh totally well they're these two muscle boys that are like RNs yeah and and they're like man finally we get to smash I'm tired of nurturing all day yep (laughs) finally we get to smash a robot yep that's why I got into professional nursing I'm sure that that's why a lot of people get into professional nursing the opportunity to smash robots well these two had that promise paid off. <laughs> Finally. Except for they get their asses absolutely handed to them. They do. By that nasty old tin can. They get put through the wall. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this. This was fun. It was definitely a throwback to... Most of this comic is a Bronze Age comic. This is definitely... It's a reprint from an older comic. And it definitely has much more of a Silver Age feel. It's uh, drawn by a guy named Bruno Premiani, who has done a couple of Teen Titans issues. He did very early Teen Titans issues, I think. Um, I think he may have actually done their... He actually did. He did their first appearance of the Teen Titans, so that's kind of a nice symmetry here. Mm-hmm. And is written by, I believe it's Arnold Drake, uh, who did a lot of Doom Patrol stuff. Uh, but, yeah, good stuff. So, I had, like, two favorite panels. Okay. For different reasons. I just thought like, this was freaky looking. The it, way that this guy's drawn. Yeah, there's... Uh, I don't know if he's... I think he's supposed to be the police lieutenant. They're talking about Lieutenant Breyer, yeah, and he goes, I'll be glad to accommodate you, real glad. Yeah, yeah, they call him Lieutenant Breyer here, and there's no context. It looks like he's sitting in a flophouse hotel. Yeah, and he looks more like a criminal than, and I don't know why, he he sounds like he's being sarcastic. He's like, I'll be glad to accommodate you, Doc, real glad. But they're saying that he's agreed to clear an area around the... Around the surgeon's office of all police, of all police, right. and I think it's because he doesn't want to get, he doesn't want any. Does part he just of it. not do it though? Because then that is before Robot Man fights all the cops, right? So he's just lying. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Also, oh, yeah, I'm sleepy yeah. and I have a giant head and a little hat on it. <laughs> yeah, yep, and a Hitler mustache. He's just a weird looking dude. Yeah, there's another shot of him here, bowler hat. Now he's got a bowler hat on. He's yeah, and he's, he's eating a before. twig. <laughs> or a opium pipe? Yeah. 
He's a weird guy. He is a it, oh, he has it in his mouth here. Too. And he's a weird guy who has no other character development other than I guess he's in charge of the police to a certain extent, and he's a real asshole. I'm not gonna do this. And then the other panel I liked was just that this had that just like jumped out with the sort of pathos in this panel. Oh yeah, it's where negative man is just being negative man all wrapped in bandages. Uh huh. And robot man bursts in, and he thinks that negative man is the surgeon who's done this to him. Right, and that he's trying to hide himself by uh, by mummifying by, his by, face. By wrapping himself up. <laughs> I like that idea as a disguise or a hiding tactic, though. And he's ready to rip his head off. Yeah. Like, literally. And he's... he's Negative man screams out at him that, to let go, you're hurting me. And it's just, there's a lot of pain and surprise communicated mm-hmm. in his face. Yeah, it's very... Especially in a face that is completely bandaged up. Does a very nice job of it. Yeah, they do kind of make it look like he has eyebrows. Well, they put eyebrows on the outside of his bandages. He probably drew those on. Yeah, you're probably bored when you're sitting around in bandages all yeah, the time. Yeah, or somebody drew those on Get him. Get a sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> put some eyebrows on you. <laughs> but, yeah, overall... Oh, right. And one more thing I really liked in that. Wait, can I see? It's page four of... Of this story. Yeah, of this story. Um, <laughs> this was, I think, actually my favorite line of it. It's after they've... It's after Robot Man has gone on his initial rampage, and they lock him back up in what looks like a dungeon. Uh-huh. And he says, well, we'll let him out soon, and we'll teach him how to lead a normal life. And then <laughs> this other guy goes, impossible, Calder. He's no longer human. In fact, my guess is he'll be the enemy of all mankind. <laughs> Just a random guess. That's my guess. That's a pretty good guess. He'll probably be the enemy of all mankind. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He really does internalize that. If there is also a really nice panel where I... I <laughs> that one? Where he's just having so much fun going on a rampage. He even he, he says... He dives down a... Yeah, he he grabs a gurney and just, like, dives down it like it's a boogie board. Dives down the hallway on it like it's a boogie board and yells, Out of my way, Dr. Kill Patient! I'm busting out of this freak factory! Whee! <laughs> He's having a lot of fun with this escape. Yeah, good for him. Then he gets gassed. Yep, they they turn on out. the ether yep. on him. Yep. Like he's a real curious George. He probably ate all kinds of puzzle pieces. Well, I... I mean, he's the enemy of all mankind. Having uh, having not read any Doom other Doom Patrol stories mm-hmm. myself, is this guy's guess correct? Does he turn out to be the enemy of all mankind? No, no? He, he is not an enemy of all mankind at all. In fact, he's a hero. Is he a friend to all mankind? He is a best friend. Except to maybe the evil. So, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Thanks for listening. Now I'll think of something better. Hold on. <laughs> nope, that's it. You're locked in. Thank you so much for joining us, listeners. If you'd like to get in touch with me or you have any questions for Lee or me or Corey. We'll see him next week. You can do so by reaching me at ttwasteland at gmail.com. We would love to hear what you think a collective noun of octopuses is called. It is, of course, correctly Geometry. called a defenestration. But we welcome your input as well. I had somebody on Twitter say that their vote was for brain trust, which will make Lisa very happy. But you are both wrong. But I do welcome your input, even if it is mistaken. Yes, please contact me at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr. We are on Twitter at ttwasteland underscore. Uh, And, yeah, we will be back next week. Me and Corey will be going over the Brave and the Bold number 149, which is, I believe, the last Bob Haney Teen Titans story. And I think also the last one before... 
<clears throat> teen the bit before the book gets turned into the new Teen Titans. So that'll be fun, and we will go over our Teen Titans awards. So stay tuned. And I can walk like a penguin. <laughs> yes, you can. Thanks, guys. Goodbye. <laughs>